0: Our church, God has been so good to us. You know, I think about uh, this last uh, two weeks. We had Vacation Bible School, and the investment in the young people. And then when you look at the those that were up here singing, there was only one old person that fit that group, <laughs> uh, and that was my sweetie. Uh, but uh, you know the the difference. Groups of people that we have in our church. There's life here. Don't take it for granted. Don't miss it. Uh, we, we are a blessed people. We are we're a blessed church. And I, we have from the kids to our senior saints. And uh, it's, a, it's a group where each one can feel loved, accepted, apart. A place of belonging. Why? Because we're family. You know, that's, that's what church is. You know, the church is the bride of Christ, but we are family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes brothers and sisters, you have a brother or sister, all right? sometimes we have, have some fights and uh, uh, sometimes those fights uh, are not so enjoyable uh, I had a big brother a lot of those fights were not enjoyable uh, I would lose uh, but, uh, but with that uh, there's still that love and I'm thankful for that and uh, as, you're, as you're here if you don't feel like you belong get involved get involved come. Be here. As soon as the service is over, don't take out those doors. Meet some people. Come to the fellowship tonight. You know, those relationships are built with time. And so it does take time. And right now, for those that this has been your church home, uh, you're comfortable here. You know, it's just as relaxed and comfortable as walking in your front door. I mean, you're, you are comfortable at this place because uh, it's, your, it's your church family. And if you don't have that same experience, let me just encourage you, get out of your comfort zone and come, listen, meet people. And what you'll find is those relationships will be built. And you will as well have that same experience uh, when you come to church. And I think that's what God's plan is. And so uh, thank you so much for just uh, being here. That And that special was a blessing to me personally. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, we look at a passage of scripture here, uh, and I'm going to read the verses again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." We go from there over to the book of Ephesians, and I'll uh, read a couple verses to you out of Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This message that I'm going to preach to you this morning, out of 30 years of ministry, I've preached it twice before, and just like you ladies, you have a, a recipe book that you go back to, every recipe is not a brand new recipe, and our Bible does not change. So we may visit some truths that we have visited before, but as we visit those those messages, as we visit those truths, what do we find? There is something in it that we need. You know, as a church family, there are some things I feel like that we need. Uh, in the day that we live, we, we are seeing things change so quickly and, and I and I have some admonition this morning out of these verses that I think will be a help to us. And as a pastor, my goal is to help you grow. I want your relationship with the Lord to be closer. I don't want it just to be that we attend church. Attending church is great. But it's if we just attend church to attend church, then it's, we're missing the mark. We're not, we're not meeting the, the purpose of that. The, God gave the church pastors, why? For the perfecting of the saints. And so the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so there's a threefold process there that he has given you a pastor for. And so, with that, uh, as your pastor this morning, uh, I, w- I want you just to listen and I want you to uh, have your heart open uh, and not just open to where we hear and we gain information, but to where we'll grab a hold of the truths that are going to be taught so, so we can be uh, matured, we can be strengthened in our faith. And so, this morning, We look at uh, this passage and the Apostle Paul, I believe he was the penman of the book of Hebrews and uh, there are many that get tossed out. The book of Hebrews is not, uh, the author is not named, but I believe it was the Apostle Paul and he is instructing these believers uh, to the superiority of the excellency of Christ as the high priest. He is he is talking to these believers who uh, who as Jews had been taught uh, and they had uh, they they had trusted the law uh, and were looking for the Messiah. But some of the some of the uh, Jews were holding on uh, to the law and instead of Christ uh, as the as the Messiah, they were holding on to the old ways. They were holding on to the traditions they ha- that they had been given, and they were good traditions. What they were holding to was Old Testament. And this transitional time uh, was a time where uh, these believers, uh, they they needed to realize uh, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, The Old Testament laws, the Old Testament uh, uh, sacrifices, uh, and then a New Testament savior, the Christ, who became not only the the sacrifice, but also became uh, their high priest. And so he goes through and uh, teaches that. He goes on and shows in T- Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1 that the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. What was it? It was the law was all pointing towards one day Christ was going to come. Every sacrifice that had been offered was just offered uh, to, uh, to show the, that Christ himself was going to come. He was going to be uh, that sacrifice uh, for all men. And these, these sacrifices, uh, these were all symbolic. They could not remove uh, their sin. Uh, they were insufficient to take away any sin. It was just a symbol of what was to come, that Christ was going to be our sacrifice. He was the one that was going to go to the cross and die on the cross to pay for our sin debt. And so now as believers, uh, we're not looking, we don't still offer sacrifices. Why? Because Christ has come and he was that sacrifice uh, for all. Uh, And he's our high priest. Uh, Hebrews 10, 10, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ. Once for all, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so with that, we are looking at Christ. He is is that high priest, and we have access to God because of him. The only way that our prayers will reach God is through Christ. Without Christ, there was a veil. There was a separation between God and man. And only the high priest could come into the presence of God. But as believers, because of what Christ has done, we have access to God. We have the ability to come before him. First Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And Jesus Christ is uh, that sacrifice for sins. But this morning, as we look at Hebrews 10, we can find that there are some things because we have this great high priest. There are three things that we're going to look at uh, that I believe that we can do. And, And so I'm going to speak to you on the subject, let us, let us. Now, notice this us is inclusive. All of us are included in this us. It's not a let them, it's let us. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray that you would bless now in this time. Uh, help me to be a help to these people that I love. I pray that you would help them to, uh, to grow. Lord, all of us are, uh, should be in a growing uh, position in our life. I pray that all of us would have ears to hear and that we would all grow and be more like you and to follow your plan for our life and the blessings that we get to enjoy uh, at following your ways. Uh, I pray that we would uh, be able to do so. So speak to hearts, help us to grow this morning for Christ's sake, amen. So here in Hebrews 10, 22, the Bible says, let us uh, draw near with a true heart. So number one, uh, what are we to do? Let us, uh, as a church family, what are we to do? Let us draw near. Let us uh, draw near. Now, drawing near here, he said draw near with a true heart. Uh, It just seems natural to think if we have a great Savior that we would want to draw closer to him. But the reality is God is the same. You know what? God, God is always there, but it doesn't mean that we are always with God. And at some point, we have to choose to draw near. The the expectation isn't on God to come to man, though he has already done that. The expectation now is for us to come to God. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Uh, We need to take those steps of drawing closer to the Lord. Are we content in our faith? Are we just... Okay, well, you know what? I've I've already heard this message, Pastor. I've already I've already read this passage of scripture. Uh, I know these things. I, I I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church and I tithe and I'm a witness. I'm I'm doing all these things, so I'm good. No, the reality is, uh, we need to be drawing near to Christ. Our relationship with Him needs to be closer. Uh, our relationship to Him should be closer today than it was yesterday. It should be. Closer this year than it was last year. Why? We need to draw near. And that expectation is on us. What is our heart? We won't draw near if we don't want to. See, drawing near, it takes work. It takes purpose. It's a decision to draw near. It's a decision to draw near in our, in our walk with the Lord. Draw near uh, with uh, a true heart. And this relationship of drawing near. Now, when we look at this drawing near, I want to take you to the law of first mention, the first place where uh, we find someone, uh, and this statement of drawing near is used. Uh, and, and it's not used like we would think about it. It is used on a negative side. Go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We awake this morning? Yeah. All right. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, uh, and we, we find this very familiar so, uh, uh, event. I say story, uh, but it is a Bible story, but it is a true event. This is a historical event of something that happened that God has saved for us. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed." And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. What do we find here? We find God, we find Moses coming to a place to draw nigh to God. And God says, listen, if you are going to draw nigh to me, uh, you have to come to me in a holy way. Uh, You have to come to me in a clean way. And God said, listen, this place, uh, it's a holy place. What What made it holy? Because God was there. And, and here, God says, don't draw nigh unless you take your shoes off. And I'm not telling us that we need to take our shoes off. Uh, that would be a little bit awkward if we were all walking around uh, without our shoes on this morning, and it probably would not smell very good in here. Uh, but uh, the reality is, it was symbolic of the holiness, and Moses was stepping into a place to meet with God, and there was an expectation that if he was going to draw nigh to God, he had to come holy. You know what, Christian? Uh, God does, he wants us to draw nigh to him. You know what keeps us from drawing nigh? Then. Have you ever been around someone and you just, you, maybe you had done something wrong and you didn't want to be around them because you knew you were going to get called out? And what happens, there's a distance that is there. As a pastor, I know when something's going on in your life. Because all of a sudden, you start avoiding me. You think I'm kidding. It happens over and over and over again. I'll stand out there shaking hands when service is over. And all of a sudden, you find a new exit strategy. And people will start going out doors that they didn't even know were there. And they'll go, go around. And sometimes people will even say, hey. <laughs> Call them back over, try, try not to lose that connection. You know, the reality is that sin, it, it separates. But it doesn't just do that with relationships. It does that with this relationship. And when we don't feel like we can come before God, there's something going on in my life that is not right. And so here we find that uh, the admonition was to draw nigh. And the Lord said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moses is getting ready to meet God. And what a wonderful picture we have of that. But if he is going to come meet with God, there has got to be a submission to God. There has got to be some sanctification for us to meet with God. What is that? That's holiness. And so if we are not willing to submit to what he has told us in his word, what do we find? Then I don't want to talk with God. And you know, as a church, we need to be drawn nigh to God. We don't just need to draw nigh to church. We need to be drawing nigh to God. We need to be drawing nigh to him in our own personal walk. And Moses here, he's on the backside of the desert and he's keeping the flock of his father-in-law. He is doing a lot of good things, but this relationship with God, he's gonna have to work at this. He's gonna have to do some things in his life. This bush is is burning uh, out in that eastern desert uh, and it's not consumed. And, uh, and now we find Moses in a place place where he is getting ready to meet God. And when you meet God, your whole life changes. If you're going to meet God and you're going to submit to God, your whole life will change. And it should. Uh, Why? Because God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts uh, and and here we we come uh, Moses uh, he is coming to meet with God, and God has a plan for him uh, his, he, he uh, uh, is in a place where the first uh, forty years of his life he was taken from his family and he went into uh, pharaoh 's house and so the first forty years he was raised uh, as the as the stepson uh, to uh, pharaoh 's daughter or the uh, uh, and, and with that, uh, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter for that first 40 years. He was a somebody. Then he spends the next 40 years working for his father-in-law. You know what? That's pretty miserable, working for your father. in not it, brother Aaron? Don't say nothing. <laughs> uh, working for the father-in-law. And he's working for his father-in-law for the next 40 years, finding out he's a nobody. He's tending sheep. But God's about to do something but he has to respond. He drew nigh. You know, if we are going to experience God in our life, I don't want to experience it from a distance. I don't want to experience just because somebody else told me about it. Have you ever had somebody that just got back from a vacation and they had an amazing, they went to an amazing place and they start telling you all the things that they saw and they they experienced, and it was was great to hear what they experienced, but I'd rather do it myself. I mean, I'm glad that they got to experience it, but I want to experience it. When it comes to our relationship with God, let's all experience it. Draw nigh. We need to draw nigh. Let us uh, draw nigh. Uh, And so uh, the Lord worked here in his life. Uh, Let us draw nigh with uh, a true heart and full assurance of faith. Drawing near is an action. With a true heart is a condition. Drawing near is an action. With the true heart is a condition. And I'm afraid that our condition often will determine our action. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just need to do something and then get things right. People say, well, pastor, you know, I'll, I'll follow the Lord. I, I'm going to start coming to church when I get all these things squared away. No, it doesn't work that way. What is it? You come and you allow God. Uh, we, don't, we don't clean up to come to God. We come to God and he cleans us up. He, he changes who we are. Uh, this true, uh, he says, come home, uh, draw nigh with a true heart. A uh, true is a truthful heart. You know, God knows who we are. You know, I look back here at Brother Franklin, and he has all of the appearance of being everything that I would think that he is the relationships, friendship for over these years. I believe he is what he says that he is. But God knows exactly what we are. You know, if we're going to come to God, we have to be honest with who we really are. With all of the stuff that we have going on in our own life. Well, I can't talk to God about that because I know it's not right. He already knows. Yeah. And if we can't, we can't engage with God on, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, you know what's going on in my heart. You know what's going on in my marriage. You know what's going on in my home. You know, you know all these different things, the things that are going on in my life, these struggles that I'm facing, these pressures that I'm under, come with a true heart. If we can't trust him, then we will never grow. The Christian life is a life of faith. So first, we need to draw near. Uh, We see secondly here, he said, uh, draw near. He said, let us hold fast, verse 23, the profession of our faith without wavering. let me tell you, there are too many people that are wavering in their faith. We need to hold fast. We need to grab on to what we believe, know what we believe, Amen. Are we, are we awake or are we going to sleep here? All right, wake up. Uh, we, need to draw, we need to hold fast. We need not only to, to draw near, we need to hold fast. We need to grab on to the teachings of God's word. I mentioned this last week. When 60% of, of self-proclaiming born-again believers say they do not believe what this Bible says, there's a problem. You know what's happened? They accepted salvation. They accepted uh, the truth that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Uh, and But the rest of it, well, you know, I don't know. It's just all those these and thous. It's just so archaic. A four-year-old knows what thee and thou is. Come thee here. The tone tells you exactly what you want them to do, right? It's not that... It's not that it is too hard to understand. It just comes down to whether we're going to accept what he says. You see, as a Christian, we need to hold fast. The profession of our faith uh, and and this this, uh, uh, profession, we've got to hold fast of that profession. Holding fast literally is to hold down, to hold fast, to to make fast, to seize, to retain. And we, with our faith, with our belief system, we've got to grab a hold of uh, our beliefs. We need to know what we believe and grab a hold of it. And there are definitely things That we've got to uh, to hold fast to, but there are some things that we just got to nail down. We just got to nail down. You know what what place uh, we need to be settled in our faith. We need to make it stable. I have a have a friend that was used to live in Florida. And when he was in Florida, uh, he could never leave the house uh, when there was a storm coming without doing a whole lot of preparation uh, before he would leave. Why? Because because if it wasn't nailed down, it was blowing away. And it might blow away even if it was nailed down. Uh, But uh, there was a lot of preparation that would go through. You know, in our faith, we need to make some preparations. Do we know what we believe? Now, if you just started coming and you just got saved and uh, the Christian life is all new to you, uh, it is understandable that there are a lot of things that you don't know. But you, if you've been in church for five years, you should know what you believe. You should know it. You think, well, how long does it take really to be a good, solid Christian? The Lord left the entire mission of the Great Commission to some believers that he invested in for three years. You know what that tells me? In three years, you can be a solid Christian. But that doesn't mean that when we've been saved for three years that we are a solid Christian. It doesn't mean just because we've been in church that we are solid in our beliefs. We need to hold fast. We need to know uh, what we believe. We need to know why we believe it. Uh, there are storms that, that come in life. And if we don't know, there are storms in life that we are going to face. And if we don't know what we believe and we're not holding fast to the profession of our faith, we are going to uh, be blown around with every wind of doctrine, as the Lord said. So we need to hold fast. Uh, the profession of our faith. Now that without wavering in the profession of our faith. So what do I need to uh, nail down there? My salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? There's been a time that you have personally accepted Christ. Not what grandma told you, not what grandpa told you, not what mom said. Do you know yourself that you've accepted Christ? Salvation is a personal decision. It is not hereditary. Just because you have a heritage of saved people, a heritage of spiritual people, that does not make us spiritual. And nothing will make you saved except with a personal relationship with Christ. You accept Him as your personal Savior, and so uh, plus uh, plus nothing, minus nothing, salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ: the death, the burial, the resurrection, Uh, and we see uh, that how how the gospel is what saves us, and we need to have that nailed down. If I don't have my salvation nailed down, I am not confident in my salvation. I will not grow because my faith is always up in the air. Am I saved? Am I not saved? If I can't trust the Lord with my salvation, I cannot trust him with my life. And so having that established to where we know, hold fast, the profession of our faith, our salvation, hold fast that Jesus was the Messiah. This whole passage of Scripture in in Hebrews 10 is revealing who Christ is. The the high priest, the position, the sacrifices that were offered, all of them symbolic, pointing to one day Christ was going to be uh, that. And who is Jesus as the Messiah? Uh, He would also uh, be Savior. He would be Lord. He would be their God. Is that what Jesus is to you? Let us hold fast. Jesus needs to be my God. He needs to be my God. He needs to be my Lord and Master. He needs to be the one that I am following, I am submitting to. Uh, And here, uh, the Lord, uh, who is Jesus? He is Savior, Lord, and God. And if we're not sure of who Jesus is, then we will never be fast or secure in our faith. So we need to have that hold fast, the profession of our faith, our salvation, who Jesus is. Uh, We need to have hold fast the profession of our faith in the word of God. This book is inspired. Not like the song book that was inspired. The inspiration of a song is different than the inspiration of God's Word. This book was God-inspired. It was God-given. And it's not for you and I to determine what is true. True. God already, in, He already determined that. And if we don't have faith in our Bible, then we will not grow, because we will only embrace and accept what we like. Deb and I got married. Uh, Joseph, see, okay, he's not. They're in junior church. Hi, uh, brother Christmas, Annalise. They haven't been married long. This probably wouldn't be a good thing for you to do, but. When Deb and I got married, I told her, I said, it doesn't matter how long you work on something. If it doesn't look good, taste good, and smell good, I'm not eating it. And there are a few times we just called for pizza. Now, I told her that before we got married. She still said yes, so I, f- I figure it was on her. <laughs> you ladies are like, I don't believe you. Uh, right? It's true. Where was I going with that? Oh, now I know where I was going. The Bible's not that way. I don't get to choose. There are things that are palatable to me. We were on the camping trip and uh, someone was talking about, oh, this morning, somebody was talking about pho. Anybody, you like pho? Okay. Uh, pho, my kids love pho. And they told me all about how great it was. And I got there and it's like, this is just ramen noodles. (laughs) Oh no, dad, it's so good. It's like, whatever, I'm not paying 10 bucks for a bowl of soup, a bowl bowl of broth. And so so anyway, uh, but to them, it was so good. They enjoyed it so much. It didn't do anything for me. But there are things that are palatable to me that they it's not palatable to them. They don't enjoy it. Uh, but, but when it comes to our faith, what does God say? Yeah. And whether I like it or I don't like it, I need to recognize that I need to hold fast. Why? Because that's what God said. And I need to grab a hold of it and allow His the truth of God to be what governs my life. Uh, if, if I am not willing to submit to the word of God, I will not grow. Let us, let us collectively, corporately, individually hold fast. We need to hold fast uh, to God's word, the confidence in God's word. So these things, they were professing. They were professing that they were a believer. How can you profess to be a believer if you don't believe what God? said how can you profess to be a christian when we don't even believe the bible how can we profess to be a christian when we do not submit to christ of our christianity amen let us hold fast all of us it's not just the pastor it's all of us. Let us hold fast. And so uh, we see this. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Second Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have this great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Uh, Hebrews 10 23. Three, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, without that being vacillating back and forth, to and fro, in and out. As a Christian, I should be more faithful today than I was when I first got saved. Yeah. Amen. It should that Christian life should be more stable, more solid than it has ever been. Without that wavering, uh, we, we get saved. It's amazing how Christians who mature, they grow, they mature, they find places even of leadership, and then all of a sudden, Sunday school is no longer important. Sunday night, church is take it or leave it. Wednesday night, no biggie. Why isn't that we are getting more engaged instead of less engaged? What's happened? We've wavered. Don't get quiet on me we waver. The more that we draw nigh to the Lord, the the more faithful we will be. It's not the less faithful, the more engaged we will be. And it's quiet this morning. I told you we needed this. We've got to to grab a hold of our faith. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Revelation 2.25. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, those words were spoken by Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, we're not just to hold fast. Well, you know, I've been there, done that. Got the experience, got the t-shirt. It's time for somebody else now to hold fast. I'm going to float. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's hold fast. That which ye have already, uh, you have already hold fast. What you have already been given, grab a hold of it and hold fast till I come. So why should we hold fast? For he is faithful that promised, Hebrews 10, 23. He is faithful that promised. What did he promise? He promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He promised us that that our life, we we have not done anything for Christ that we would not receive a hundredfold. God is a debtor to none. We serve him. He will bless us. We we see it all through Scripture. And because of what we've been given, we need to hold fast. Because He's faithful. He will always prove true. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Let us consider one another with love. Let us consider one another. When we... Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that his whole life was consumed with meeting the needs of others. Acts 10.38, the reference back for the Lord was how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. You know, Christ just went about doing good. Who did he do good to? People. You know what? We need to get our eyes off self. And we need to do good to others. He said, let us consider one another. Let us think about the needs of others. And not just the needs of self. It's easy just to think about what we need, isn't it? it just comes natural. But really considering, I was talking with somebody this morning uh, about that very thing. It's easy to get consumed just with what's ever going on in your own life, and you can miss out on the burdens that people carry. Let us consider one another. Consider to observe Fully is the definition there. One another. He is talking about the brethren. Uh, We are to do good, especially to they of the household of faith. The believers. You and I, it's easy to do good for somebody that you don't even know. Sometimes it's harder to do good for somebody that you do know. Well, they should do it themselves. They Well, they're the one that messed up. We we need to consider one another, the brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, all of us have influence. I'm almost done. I've only got three more pages of notes. We all have influence. And we all use our influence. Either purposefully or not. Your faithfulness influences others. Unfaithfulness also influences others. For those who have been saved for years, the new believer should not be more faithful than you. Your influence should be there to help them recognize what the life of the believer should be. Don't get quiet on me. That's true. And when those that are seasoned are not following, then what does that say to the new believers? Oh, well, they don't come to Sunday school, so that must not matter. oh, they miss church. That must not make a difference. We have influence. Let us hold fast that profession of our faith. Let us, uh, as we are considering uh, one another, our actions impact others. You say, well, I don't care what anybody else thinks. That is, that is such a cop-out. Number one, it's a self-righteous cop-out. It's a prideful cop-out. Because it doesn't matter about anybody else. It matters what I want. You see, it should matter what they think about us because we are an ambassador for Christ. And how we live, the life that we live, it has an impact. You have influence for good, for bad, uh, for the indifferent, the apathetic. Uh, we need to use our influence, uh, our walk, our spirit, our attitude of encouragement, our faith. Uh, what are we to use it for? To provoke uh, one another. Uh, we are to provoke uh, other people. Let us consider one another. Uh, he said, and, and to provoke them uh, to good works. And so we see that over and over again, First Peter 1, 22, uh, 1 Peter uh, 3, 8, 1 John 3, 14, 1 John 5, 2. And I'm not gonna go to all these for uh, time's sake, uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 3. Uh, but what do we find? James two twenty says, but faith without works is dead. Being alone. James said, thou hast faith, I have works. He said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. We don't work to get good. We don't work to get to heaven. But because we are saved, there should be a lifestyle that backs it up. And those works should be the result of the faith that is already there uh, and so here we need to hold fast uh, let us hold fast uh, in our faith uh, we go back to our text this morning uh, and we see here uh, in this passage of scripture uh, scripture uh, let us draw near let us hold fast and then let us consider uh, one another to provoke unto love and the good works. And he goes on, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And as believers, corporately, we all have to take some steps. Let us. The opportunity is there but the expectation is ours and we have to do something with it. It can't just be knowledge. We have to do something with it. Our faith will do us no good if we don't allow it to come out. My knowledge of Christ, it's not gonna help anything if it's just academic. But when I allow his word to impact my life, what do I find? I find that I am blessed as I'm following him. The Christian life is a blessed life. It's a blessed life. Sometimes people say, well, you know, you go to church, you can't do anything. I can do everything. I can do whatever I want. He said, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. I don't want to. I don't want to. Why? Because I have seen the things that displease the Lord, and I want my relationship with the Lord to be good. And I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to disappoint God. You know, with my actions, I realize that my actions, they impact more than me. My actions, my responses, they impact that lady right there. I want to make sure that I live in such a way that I do not hurt her. I don't want to live in such a way that I would embarrass her. My actions impact her. My actions impact my kids. My actions impact my grandkids. My life. My actions impact Bible Baptist Church and this body of believers. My actions impact Christ. Let us, let us individually grab a hold of these things. Why? Because it will help us be who we need to be. And in doing so, not only are we blessed, but we'll bless some others along the way. Others will be helped. Others will be encouraged. Others will be strengthened. Others will come to Christ by our actions. You know what? If we did not have, Vacation Bible School, there are people that are sitting here this morning that would not be here. What happened? Our actions impacted somebody else. We're good. Let's not undo it. Let us. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you for the blessings you have given to us. I do pray that uh, you would help us as believers uh, to grow in our faith in these areas. Uh, may you be glorified because of it. Uh, so this morning, uh, speak to the hearts. Lord, I spoke primarily to believers today. Uh, and, and with that, their, their need to follow you. But Lord, there might be those that have not accepted you as their Savior. And I pray today uh, that they also would see their need to follow you and follow you, uh, and allow you to be their Savior. And so I pray today that you would speak to their hearts. For those that are saved, I pray that you'd help us uh, to grow, uh, to mature in our faith. So bless now uh, in this time, please. uh, For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you to come. And we'll have someone take the Bible and show you what God has to say about you going to heaven. Maybe you've been saved and you haven't followed the Lord and believers' baptism. You come. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been saved, you've been baptized, and you feel like this is where God would have you join. You come. Whatever decision. Maybe you've been saved. Maybe your Christian life has sort of fallen into a routine. Maybe we've allowed some things to slip. Let's let's get it right. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us consider one another. Our actions impact each other. The action of an individual impacts their family. Action of a Christian impacts the body of Christ. Let's make sure that it impacts for good and for God. Amen. You can be seated. And this morning we had Kevin Agana come, and he's trusted Christ. I'm going to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. We had Kishan. Uh, I can't read the last name on this one, uh, but Kishan is going to get baptized as well. He's accepted the Lord as his Savior. Uh, Tyler Hansen is coming. He's been saved. Going to follow the Lord and Believer's Baptism as well as Kayla uh, Friesen. And praise the Lord for these decisions. And we'll rejoice in them, but we'll prepare for baptism. And so, Brother, Brother Nate, you come and lead us in a song.
1: You can remain seated there as we sing, as they prepare for baptism. We'll sing My Savior's Love, song number one there. Sing sing it out on the first verse. I stand amazed in the presence.
0: This is Tyler uh, Tyler Hauser, and Tyler, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, and upon a public profession of your faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, praise you. here This is Kayla. Let me cross your arms. And Kayla, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, and upon a public profession of your faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. <laughs> Amen. All right. guys Stand right here. Okay. This is Kevin Agana and Kevin, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior and upon a public profession of your faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. This is Kishon. This is Kishon, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, and upon a public profession of your faith in Him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. The servant said to the Master, has done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Praise the Lord for these decisions. And it uh, just seems like the Lord has blessed in a very unique way uh, these last few weeks, seeing uh, people saved, seeing people baptized, uh, added to the church. And let's not take that for granted. And let's let's be a part of what God is doing in this community. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and stand together. Brother Nate, how about you close us in a word of prayer? We encourage you to come back tonight, 6 o'clock.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we assured you love you. We're so grateful for your many blessings to us, Lord. Thank you for... Uh, just allowing us to be in your house this morning, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord, and for just the message. Lord, I pray that we would be more faithful to you as believers, Lord, and just uh, thank you for all you're doing in our church. Lord, I pray that you would just give us safety as we travel home and bring us back safely tonight. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.